Hello, and welcome to New Hope Fellowship Online. I'm Pastor Greg Miller, and I'm excited that you are tuning into this message. I pray that it helps you grow in your walk with Christ and encourages you to dive deeper into God's Word. For more information on who we are as a church, I'd like to encourage you to visit nhfchurch.org. If you are interested in partnering with us financially so we can continue to share the gospel message with those around us, visit NHF Church and click on Give. Again, thank you for being here and for listening. I hope you enjoyed this message. Well, good morning, family. How was your Thanksgiving? Okay, by a show of hands, who totally ate more? No, you don't have to do that. Um, I'm really excited to be with you guys today. Our pastor, Nick, our, our, uh, our lead pastor, is spending some well-deserved time with his family up in New York, and uh, pray for a safe journey home for him. He'll be with us uh, next week as we gather, and um, this morning is going to be a little bit different. Um, this morning, I just want to have a conversation. Can we do that? Can we do that? So, um, you know, uh, this time of the year, there's so many things that are being thrown at us, right? Because we're, we're heading into that crazy time of, of, of Christmas, which is an incredible time of celebration for the people of God if they understand what it's all about. But it's incredibly frenetic for everybody else, and we get caught up in that as well. And I love, I've always loved Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving has always been my favorite holiday. Um, many of you know, three years ago, uh, I lost my father on Thanksgiving Day, which was bittersweet because it was his favorite day of the year. And then a year ago, I had a grandson that was born on Thanksgiving Day. And so Thanksgiving Day for me, when I was younger, it was really more because it was two days before hunting season started. That's why I love Thanksgiving so much. But as I've gotten older, I've really come to appreciate, um, you know, the, the, uh, in, in, in Job, we're told that the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. And my dad left, but he went home. And, you know, so it's, it's bittersweet. And so at Thanksgiving, I feel like it's a good time for us to kind of ground ourselves for what's upcoming over the next several weeks. And as we've been going through the, um, the, the book of Ephesians, uh, have you all enjoyed that? <clears throat> I feel like I feel like Ephesians is so filled with um, with red meat that even though we're going through it kind of systemically, uh, hold on one second. Um, even though we're going through it systemically, you know, chapter by chapter, there's so much there that we could dissect and take so much further. For example, today I'm going to teach on parenting. Okay. How do you teach on parenting in, in, in one message? How do you teach on parenting in 15 or 20 minutes? Um, in two weeks, we're going to talk about the armor of God. How do you teach about the armor of God in one sermon? You cannot do that. You can scratch the surface, but then we need to go deeper. And sometimes the deeper is from the pulpit, and sometimes the deeper is taking what you hear home with you and letting it resonate and going yourself a little bit deeper. I was impressed this morning. Didn't the girls do, and, and Greg, got to give Greg some credit. Didn't the girls do an amazing job up here this morning? Yeah, yeah. And... <laughs> 
And it's funny because Carly called out um, a, a part, part of the song, and I thought, this is the best parenting advice that I could ever give anybody. So listen to what, he, what she said. Day after day, night after night, I will remember you're in, with me in this fight. Isn't that great? I mean, that is great parenting advice right there because it is a challenge for us, isn't it? As, as parents, as grandparents, how do we go about doing the best we can with the tools that we have, knowing that God has our back and gives us the strength that we need to endure those long days, those long nights, those difficult conversations? We're going to just tap the surface this morning, okay? If you're a note taker, Take a few notes. I'm going to have 10 very quick principles that I'm going to cover. But then towards the end of the service, we're going to do something just a little bit different that I think will be a blessing to you. And that's, that's the part of the service where, or the, or the sermon that I'll say, okay, now, how do we take what we've learned and can we really keep it real, right? Can we keep this practical? So let's look at Ephesians chapter 6, the first uh, four verses of chapter 6. <clears throat> and it says this. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right, okay? So kids, there you have it. Obey your parents, because that's the right thing to do. We're done dealing with kids right now, okay? Now we're going to deal, <laughs> deal with the families and the moms and the dads and the grandma and grandpas. Verse 2, honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you, that you may live long in the land, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, bless our time this morning. May your Holy Spirit open our hearts, our minds, and, uh, and Father, may what you need to express to your children this morning be expressed well as we communicate through this passage that is so big for us, Lord, and so huge and consumes so much of our life, Lord, in terms of the practicality of every single day. But Lord, can you bring it in a way this morning that we can understand and we can walk out and we can be encouraged, Father, that you are with us in this fight, Lord. And it's not always a fight. There's so many amazing things that are part of the experience. But God, regardless, you are with us. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, godliness is being... Christ-like. Jesus showed us how to be pleasing to the Father by conforming to his will and being molded to his character. Jesus modeled that for us. If you want to raise a godly child, you must model godliness in your life and in your parenting. Godly parenting means engaging with your kids in a way that most accurately reflects the life and the words of Jesus. To parent in a way that pleases God, you must seek, depend on, and live through Christ. So we're going to run through very quickly 10 principles of how do you do that? How do you do that? The first principle is this. One, you love and you honor God above all others. The first principle of godly Christ-like parenting is inspired by one of the Ten Commandments. The most important commandment according to Jesus is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. Or as it says in, in Exodus 20, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the place of slavery. Do not have any other gods before me. 
in our parenting, it's important for us to understand that Jesus and his words and his character in us is what that standard is intended to be in a godly family. <clears throat> now, narcissism has crept its way into our church and into our culture, and so sometimes narcissistic parenting advice uh, finds its way in, in our church as well. The doctrine that, that parents are like God or that parents are, you know, supposedly like the, the replacement of God on earth for children, that, that's actually an appeal of our enemy. That's, that's an appeal of Satan that would suggest that to, to us. When Satan came early in our adventure as, as humans and said, you will be like God, nothing good happened from that exchange, but rather we're to have the mind of Christ, the mind of Christ who did not consider equality with God something even for, to be grasped in his day and to be used for his advantage. We're to be the same way. God is God. There is no need for us to step into his place. The biblical role of a parent is to be a steward of our children. Only God knows what each child was created for and what each child will, will do. That's, that's God's situation. That's not ours. We'd love to control that, wouldn't we? But we can't because we don't have the power to do that. But the almighty creator who created your kids does. <clears throat> the second principle is this. You love your children as Jesus loved you. In John 13, 34, Jesus calls his followers to a very, very high standard. I give you a new command, love one another. Just as I have loved you, you must also love one another. So we are called to love all others, our children included, in the way that Jesus showed us to love. How did he show us that? He laid his life down for us, didn't he? And sometimes we have to lay certain things down in our life for our children. Sometimes we need to lay ourselves down. The command to love presupposes that there's a choice involved, an action that you can take. How did Jesus love? Jesus gave us the example of how to love well, and we can love our children like Jesus by choosing to treat them like Jesus treated his disciples. Mm. Jesus at times had to rebuke his disciples, didn't he? Jesus at times had to correct his disciples. Jesus at times had to be harsh with his disciples. But you know what Jesus did above all else? He loved his disciples. And that's how we're supposed to love our children. Here's number three. Be a faithful steward. Um, and I'm going to just interject something real quick. If you're not a note taker, and you, you've read something like, like, I like to listen. I don't like to take notes. Some people like to take notes. That's how they learn. Anybody that wants this stuff, let me know. I'll send it to you, okay? So that'll save you having to take all the notes. Happy to do that anytime, okay? Number three here is be a faithful steward. Do you own your child? Do we own our children? Depending on where you live, your government or your culture may actually say yes. In contrast, we, are who, we who are loyal to the kingdom of God believe that the earth, and this is Psalm 24, the earth and everything in it, the world and its inhabitants belong to God. They don't belong to us. They belong to him. 
Who then is the faithful and wise manager, we're told in the book of Luke, whom the master puts in charge of his servants to give them their food allowance and their proper time? It will be good for them that that servant whom the master finds doing so when he returns. So we have an encouragement in the word of God that we're to do all that we can to care for our children and to steward what God has blessed us with in the lives of our children. But we are more faithful in our stewardship when we understand that they belong to God, not to us. Just as a manager or steward doesn't own all that they're put in charge of, we don't own our children. Our children belong to God, and we are entrusted with their care for a period of time. And we will be held accountable for how we care for them. That's number three. Number four is this, my, my all-time favorite. Do not provoke your children. <laughs> um, one of the few verses to directly address parents in Ephesians is 6, 6, 4, uh, verse 4. In the ESV version, it says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. That's what we read. The phrase is sometimes translated as provoke to wrath. We are given similar instruction in the book of Colossians. Don't provoke your children so they won't be discouraged, it tells us in Colossians 3. I actually prefer the translation that uses the word exasperate. Do not exas Father, do not exasperate your children. And you know why I prefer that version? Because I can relate to it. I can relate to it, and I'm really good at it. Yeah, some of you pretty good at exasperating your children, aren't you? Just as our kids know which buttons to push, we do too, don't we? And uh, we are told not to do that. This doesn't really mean that you have to avoid making your child, your kids mad at all costs. Scripture doesn't tell us that. Kids get angry. What makes your children angry at the moment might not be what's best for them. Years ago, I remember, and I didn't tell Terry this was in the sermon, but years ago, I remember my daughter, Corey, getting angry when I took one of my hunting knives away from her. She got over it, right? I think that these Bible verses are telling us that we're not to provoke our children in a way that gets them angry or discouraged or makes them downtrodden. We don't want to crush our children, and we can, can't we? We can. Yeah, and you, you guys, I've, I've said this before, and I, I want to be very clear about this. Um, when I'm teaching, I'm just talking to myself and letting you listen. All right? So let me be clear about that. Every parent in the room has challenges. Every parent in the room has great things that happen, bad things. It, that is one thing that unites all of us and that is that none of us are perfect parents. And Terry and I are far from perfect parents. And so today, I want to just encourage you with these principles because these are godly principles that will help in, in, in raising your children in the ways of the Lord. But in no way do I want people to walk out of here feeling guilty and downtrodden and like, well, yeah, somebody's got it all together. I'm just a loser, mom. I'm a loser. No, 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 no. That's a discouragement that does not come from a godly place, all right? You do the best you can, you learn, 
Hopefully, you do better. That's what this walk in parenting is all about. Number five, and this is important, teach God's word to your children. So if you look at the rest of Ephesians 6, uh, 4, it says, as we explore biblical teaching on parenting, Paul instructs parents, he says, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Other translations say, nourish them. Nourish them in the instruction and admonition of the Lord. Any way you look at it, we're to teach our children God's instructions. This means teaching the Bible to your children in age-appropriate ways all through their life. As well, you can connect your children with different ministries to help them grow in their knowledge about God's Word. Um, In our past, Awana was a ministry. Some of you know the Awana ministry. It's a great ministry that helps children memorize Scripture. Uh, There's many things like that. Additionally, bringing your children to church Um, as well as other Jesus-loving ministries can help nourish them in the instruction of the Lord. I know Miss Jenny, who runs our children's ministry, loves for her team to help children learn to memorize Scripture. And in order for that to happen, guess where your kid needs to be? They need to be there. That's where they need to be on Sunday morning to get that. But our ministries here, and hear me clearly on this, our ministries here are not a replacement for us as parents, okay? They're to encourage us, they're to support what we're doing, but the only place your children learns about the Bible and about the Word of God cannot only be in church. It needs to take place in the family as well. God encourages us to do that. Embrace your role there as a spiritual teacher of your children. There are so many resources that are available to us in this world that we live in on godly parenting, on teaching children. I mean, Google it. It's everywhere. We really have no excuse other than our laziness in this area to not do what God encouraged us to do, and that's to teach our children the Word. And you know what's important? It's important that when you're talking with your kids about this, you don't just applaud the fact that they learned the verse, because that's awesome. Applaud the fact that they learned the verse. But let's say, what does that mean? How can I put that into practice? You know, it's easy. The world is full of people that quote Scripture, right? (laughs) And you know some of them, and you go, okay, they know what it says, but you fill in the blank, right? The importance is, how does this actually become something that informs their decision-making and their view of who God is as a loving Heavenly Father and, and who they are as a very special loved person in the sight of God? So teach your children the Word. Number six, train your children to follow Jesus. That may, be, that may seem like obvious, but the other part of the instruction in 6.4 is to raise kids in the discipline of the Lord. The word for discipline indicates a training of the whole person, molding them into the likeness and the holiness of Christ. In other words, we're to raise children in a way that helps them take their head knowledge and bring it into their daily lives each day. Proverbs 22.6, many of you know this, many of you have quoted this, train up a child in the way he should go, and in his older days he will not depart from it. What is the way that's being referred to here? Well, according to John 14.6, Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 
So parenting God's way means parenting with Jesus. He is literally called the way in Scripture. There is no other way that pleases God. But a quick word of caution. Proverbs 22.6 has been quoted by thousands of people who believe that it is a promise. It is not. It is not a promise. Proverbs are godly biblical principles. They are not promises. It's a topic for another day, okay? But be careful quoting that scripture to a family who has a wayward child because I've done it, okay? I've done it. And it's easy to go there because it seems like an easy out. It is not an easy out. At some point, we can explore the Proverbs and better get a better understanding of the principles and likelihoods they present because that's what Proverbs present. They present principles and likelihoods. But the fact of the matter is everyone is given a choice, so there are no guarantees, right? For us, I think, you know, we want to stack the deck for success as best that we can for our kids, but ultimately, our children will come to a place where they start making their decisions. We want to empower them, encourage them, discipline them, you know, feed them everything we can that they make great choices, but they will make choices at some point, and those choices are never guaranteed, okay? The seventh one is this, be humble, be humble. In all that we do, we honor Christ if we do it with all lowliness and humility, with patience, bearing with one another in love, being eager to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. We studied that back in the fourth chapter of Ephesians. Jesus is our model for living and leading, and he was the most humble person that ever lived. He laid everything down. He, being the perfect holy God, humbled himself and took on human form while retaining his godly nature. And through all of this, he did not lord his position over us. He didn't let us know who was boss. He washed feet, <laughs> he went without a home, and he submitted to a humiliating death. There is no walking in the way of Christ without walking in humility. And I think humility sometimes is getting lost in this Western culture. In this Western church, humility is not at the forefront. Many times you hear about our rights, but you don't hear about how we need to lower ourselves and humble ourselves. And as parents, we need to express humility because this world is not gonna teach your children that, but you can. Number eight, this is particularly important for all the moms out there. It's important for the dads, but I think it's particularly important for the moms. Give yourself grace. Give yourself grace. You know, they say the days are long and the years are short. Can you guys relate to that? Think about when you were in those, in those parenting situations, some days you just thought it would never end, but then you wake up and your kids are 34 years old. It's my experience. You know, just for the record, I got a 34-year-old, a 32-year-old, a 21-year-old, and an almost 20-year-old. Trust me, the years are short, those of you that are young. Make the most of the days. Make the most of the days, but give yourself grace. 
God never intended for moms and dads to be walking around with their heads down just thinking about how they're such loser parents. <laughs> and don't define your parenting by the activity of your children, because that could really bum you out as well, can it? You know, we're told to express grace to others, and we understand God's grace to us. Guys, give a little bit of it to yourself. You know, tomorrow's another day. God is still sovereign, right? <laughs> He's still with us in the fight, and we do the best that we can, and we rely on him. Provide yourself a little bit of grace. And remember, number nine, that you have a community. You know, this whole church thing, this whole raising godly kid thing, it's not supposed to be just done in one place. This is our family. Does it, does it feel like this is your family? Whatever, I, I can almost guarantee you, whatever you're going through with your kid, somebody else here is either going through it too or has gone through it already. Use the community. We're here to encourage each other. And it's important for us when we see, because we will see sometimes a situation with, with, with parent and child that is tough, that is rough. It's important that we encourage each other and not just on the drive home go, boy, guess they're not a very good parent. Because <laughs> guess what? There's a lot of folks that could have said that about us at, per, at certain seasons in our life in parenting. Remember, you have a community. Use those resources. You have an amazing pastor here, Pastor Nick. I'm here to support you. There's a lot of great elders, a lot of incredible women of God who have raised, raised their families that would love to come alongside you and say, you know what? It's okay. You know, it, it, it seems like the sorrow is going to last a long time, but joy, <laughs> it'll come in the morning, right? Use the community. And here's the four, here's number 10. We could have started with this one, but one with this because you're going to need to do this, right? You need to pray. You need to pray for your children. You need to pray with your children. Your children need to have a good understanding of why you even do that. It's not just your list, right? It's not just all the stuff that we want. Pray blessings over your children. Speak into the lives of your children, right? Believe things for your kids that they're not ready to believe for themselves, you know, I, I, I'll, I'll never forget, <clears throat> there was an amazing influence in my life. It was an 80-something-year-old Puerto Rican woman who was about 76 pounds, and she would walk up to me after church almost every Sunday, and she would say, you should be a pastor. And I blew that just off for how many years, Terry? Year after year, she, Virginia sells come up to me and say, you should, she spoke that into my life. And at some point, that was part of what God took in driving something that I had put a wall up against. That's just one situation in my life. Speak into the lives of your kids. When you see them, you know, spend more time catching them doing something right than catching them doing something wrong. But above all, pray for them. Now, that is the shortest sermon that I have ever preached at New Hope Fellowship. You guys could say amen, amen, all right, woo, yeah. Um, we're not done. <laughs> we're gonna do something different now. I'm actually going to bring my wife up on stage. She is a parenting expert. Um, she's written many books, um, but Terry and I, in our journey, what I wanted to do it today was, like I said, I wanna keep it real. So we have five questions that we want to talk, just kind of have a little bit of a dialogue about. And um, 
we'll see where this goes. Um, if we have time or we feel like it's appropriate, we may even allow a question or two to come from the audience, which would be great. But we thought it would be good. Let's bring those stools over. Stand. You want to rather stand? Okay. I wanted to sit because I'm so short. <laughs> and I look like a kid when I stand. Maybe I should sit. No. You could sit. Yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> so Greg's... We, we talked about this, and I'm excited, actually, to share some things, but it makes me nervous, so I feel very nervous about this. But, you know, like, oh, this is good. I yeah, like this. Yeah, it is this. good. I can actually yeah. stare into your eyes. So we came up with some questions, and we're going to do our best to answer them quickly. What's our time? Oh, we're good. <laughs> right? First question. Kickoff's not till 1 o'clock. <laughs> we're good. <laughs> What happens when you have different parenting styles? Most do. I did, I still do. Greg does, he still does. I grew up in a home that was angry, aggressive. There was no discipline, just how many beers my dad had that day was how ugly the night was my entire life. So I did not know really how you handle things when you're really mad. How do you deal with this? Greg grew up in a home. I'm going to let him talk about it. But we had a collision of worlds when we needed to start uh, disciplining our children. I am better. <laughs> Therapy can do that. And um, Greg, I always say Jesus and Greg is really how I am still alive. I was going down the same road as my father. And uh, it's easy in addictions, if you have been addictions, how many people have been influenced by addictions somewhere in your life? Raise your hand. Yeah. A lot of people. And it, it's hard, isn't it? So after my salvation, I was determined to break the generational curse. God called me to that, but it was not easy. And it's still not easy because it can still rear its ugly head. So because of that, we've had to make a lot of decisions in our life, um, one being we don't drink. That's not just because of alcoholism. It's because that's what God called us to. But it's also how we've raised our children. It's also one of the things that we have just decided in our life. We do not say that you can't. You can't. It's just that that was something for us. So um, I'm going to let you answer the rest okay. of that. So with parenting styles, you usually have, you have sometimes a collision where you have one parent that is, is more of the um, sympathetic, you know, how are we going to fix this? Let's talk through this. And then there's the issue of punishment where sometimes the activity or the action requires a consequence, right? Because we, we need to teach our children consequences. So, so there's, lots of, there's lots of options out there in terms of how you, know, how you address a particular situation. Some people believe that grounding is, is the way to go. Um, some, some families uh, in, in, you know, in, in children at, at a certain age of their life think that there may be a punishment, maybe even a spanking. We're not going to go down that road, but there, there, may be, there may be some different ideas on that. But I think what's important is that when you have different parenting uh, styles is that you, not, you don't necessarily conform 
each other to a single style, right? The Bible tells us husband and wife come together, the two shall be one, and the struggle is in the which one, <laughs> right? And so, um, but that as, as a couple, you have respect for each other and that the best time to talk about how to best parent your child in a, in a tough situation is not in front of your t- child in that tough situation, right? So Terry, Terry was, it was always more quickly to the consequence, right? Boom. You did what? Okay, you're, you're, for the next year, this is, you know. And, Grounded and for so, life. And, and, and so all coming from the right place of not I want to hurt you or I want to punish you, but I want to change that behavior because that behavior eventually is going to hurt you, right? We all, I think for the most part, we usually almost always, hopefully always, want what's best for our kids. But I would just encourage the, the, that, that, that there's a unified front with the kids, right? You do not want, you know, child running run to mom because he can get this from mom and run into dad because he can get this from dad. Styles, we're all wired differently, right? We have different styles in everything that we do. Parenting is going to not be any different. But the 10 principles that we covered this morning, that transcends parenting styles. If you lean into those 10 principles, you'll be okay. So we're going to have to keep moving on that. So... Yeah, maybe we'll do a seminar on this one day. Maybe. Um, I'd like to attend one, actually. So one of the big things here is that marriage is a big piece. You know, being a part of of taking care of your marriage is just as important as disciplining, raising your children. Sometimes more important. We're going to say always more important. We're going to talk about that later. Number two. How do you cope when a particular parenting season is and was very hard? So we were talking about this yesterday, and I'm naming off all these things. When Corey was born and she was so sick and almost died. Um, when Luke lost his hearing and we didn't know what was going on. Um, when uh, we, Sarah was sick when Sarah she Sarah was so home. sick after her adoption and we didn't and know what was going on. And then there's just Nathan. We'll just leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> But Nathan had night terrors. <laughs> he didn't sleep forever. Like, it was terrible. Yeah. And when Greg wasn't home, I actually had to pretend to snore because Greg would be the one trying to get him to sleep and Greg would fall asleep. Yeah. <laughs> so I had to snore in order to sound like Greg. That's how terrible it was. Um, and I'm going through this list, um, some really, really hard things that went on and educational decisions and all of those things that go into parenting. And Greg's looking at me like, What? And, I don't remember that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That really happened? He got up and went to work. That was it. And so it was so, like, <laughs> it was kind of crazy. In fact, I was kind of mad at him because it's like, wait, you, you don't remember how hard that was? Because when you're parenting one and one is in a very bad situation and you're trying to be a good parent for the other, um, it's so crazy, but that was the reality, and it probably is the reality for a lot of you. Well, and I think that I think that in those seasons, right? Because there's there's many seasons of life. You know, I joke about hunting and fishing season, but there's there's many seasons of life with your kids. There are going to be times where it's really hard. If you haven't been through it, trust me, it's coming. Right? Teenage years, it's it's coming, guys. If you have younger children. But again, recognizing that God, God is there, 
right? God is, God is with you. If you didn't handle that situation that great as a parent, that doesn't define who you are. Let's go back and we'll, we'll do it better the next time. But that there is a clear expectation for our children because nothing's worse for our kids than mixed messages. And um, so during those difficult parenting seasons, and, it, and, and in those seasons, they may be particularly more difficult for one spouse or the other. Right, so the seasons that, that Terry's talking about, because she was the one that had to be there all the time. You know, I'm out doing, you know, trying to provide for the family. She's there taking care of the family. It's not an excuse, dads, to just to let your wife take that over, but how you encourage her when you come back. I mean, one thing, we, we, you know, we went through a lot of those challenges, but we continued to also feed our relationship through that time. And so, um, yeah, let's move on here. We've got about... How do you try to maintain balance? Um, Greg just sort of spoke to this. Every year that we had, and our, our daughter's 35, and so a lot of years, I outlived all of the pediatricians at the Carroll Children's Center <laughs> that we started with. 34 years of going to the pediatric, going to Unbelievable, but that's what happens when you have a second family. Never say never. You might have more kids out there that you get from some cool country. You never know. So maintaining balance was we always got away. Yeah. We always took time. Yeah, I think balance balance is an interesting word, but just just a few observations. And you know, if you're if your toes get stepped on, understand that they're being stepped on in the spirit of love and in the spirit of grace. Okay. I watch a lot of parents who basically have put their lives on hold for their kids. They're in every activity, they're in every, they're in every sport, they're in every, you just go right down the list. Um, now, I'm to the age where I can say, well, back when I was that age, we didn't have sports on Sunday. You guys remember that? We didn't have sports on Sunday in Carroll County until 25 years ago, and now every sport is taking place on Sunday. And it's not Sunday after church, it's Sunday at nine o'clock in the morning or 10 o'clock in the morning. Now, when we talk about balance, you know, I'm not here to tell you so your kids shouldn't be involved in any of those things, but I am here to tell you, your kids don't need to be involved in all of those things. You know, moms become taxi drivers, you know, and, and their number one role is getting kid from, from one activity to the other. And I'm just gonna suggest that that's not healthy. I think that you want to find out what your kids like. I think you want to allow them to participate in activities, but don't let it become at the expense of the relationship that you have with your spouse, and don't let it become at the expense of the spiritual development of your kids. Quick story, had a friend years ago who was, a church, was in church all the time. They stopped coming to church. Why did they stop coming to church? Sports activities were on Sunday. Their daughter was an incredible, they had three girls. Their daughter was an incredible field hockey player. She was the field hockey player of the year in Carroll County as a junior, okay? As a senior before the season, she went to her mom and dad and said, now this was her ticket to college. She went to her mom and dad and said, you know, I really don't like field hockey. I'm not gonna play this year, okay? I ran into mom and we were talking at a store one day and she said, what a huge mistake we made taking our kids out of church. Because you know what? Her future isn't going to be field hockey, 
but she's got a lot of living to do, and there's a lot of spiritual development that was missed because we made that choice for our family. Now, that's just one, that's just one example, but my encouragement is, is, is find that balance. And you know what? Our kids don't need to do everything. They just don't. Sorry, dads. Chances are your kid's not going to be in the NFL. He's not going to be a professional soccer player. Sorry, moms. Not going to be in the Olympics as a gym. I mean, go down the list. Make good choices. Encourage your kids to participate. Feed that. There's a lot of good that comes from being part of teams and, and those type of things. But don't just open it up and say, whatever you want, that's what we're going to do, because here's what happens. Kids go to college, mom and dad, or, 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 or somewhere else, you know, school, or, or, or they start working. Mom and dad look at each other one day and go, who are you? Because the entire dynamic of what has filled up our life and our days is different, and that's gone. And if you look at statistics on divorce, it happens a lot when the kids are leaving the home because everything went into the kids, but really everything didn't go into the kids because the spiritual development probably wasn't a huge part of went into the kids. But they got every trophy, they played every sport, they did every, every away team and this, that, and the other. Receive this with the grace that it's intended. I'm not telling you what you should do with your children. Those are the decisions that you all make. But think about keeping some form of balance in your family. We got to move on. We've got we always two, said two that um, the greatest gift a father can give his children is to love their mother well. Yeah. And we really believe that. And Greg has really tried to live that. So that's a huge and amazing gift. Let's all move right. on here. What would be your greatest parenting success or challenge? We could be here all day. Um, one thing Greg talked about and the music was beautiful, perfect uh, this morning. Uh, is that we are in a fight, and um, we are in a fight every single day. We might not be arguing with our children, but we are fighting for our children every single day. If we don't understand about the spiritual realm and what is happening and that the devil wants our kids, then we're missing out on really, I mean, the most important piece of why God gives us children is to fight for them. So um, I would encourage you, to pray over your home, pray over the rooms in your home, anoint your doorposts with oil, whatever it takes, you know, spiritual principles in the past. Um, take time to uh, rebuke things that are happening, maybe in your, in, your, in your home, actual home, or just that your kids could be involved in. Uh, put on the armor, put on the armor. Yeah, and I think what I would say to that is, so... <clears throat> If you're going to take credit for all the good, <laughs> then naturally you got to own all the bad, and it's not our place to take credit for the good or to own the bad, right? Because our kids, our kids as they grow up, you know, they will make they will make decisions. You can stack the deck and you can thank God and you can continue to pray, and you want to always be proud of your children. And regardless of how you parent. You always want to make sure that you maintain the opportunity to speak into the lives of your children. And I think that that's what's meant in Ephesians 6, 4, or in 6, 2, where it says fathers are three, whatever. It's one of those four. It's, I think it's two or three, where it says fathers don't exasperate your children. See, if you lose their spirit, if you lose their heart, 
you lose your influence in their life. They will look for that somewhere else. So however you apply these principles, however you d- determine, and, and your kids will play the game, all right? So don't feel just because you grounded them that they're going to hate you because, you know, that's ridiculous. They won't hate you. But make sure that you're not bringing about in them something that would create bitterness towards you as a parent because once you lose the opportunity to speak into the lives of your children, it's very difficult to get that back. So just an encouragement there. We'll do one more. We probably should shut it down. So, um, How do you build Christian principles and character yeah, lifestyle into your children? We've talked a lot about this. Um, and and we, we were at a church for 30 years that you went to, Greg was a music pastor there, marriage pastor there. So we were in, we've been involved in ministry forever and ever and ever. And um, so one thing we did is we modeled, you go, doesn't matter, we go to church. We modeled worship, we modeled um, prayer time, um, and those things are super important. And um, we had a community, we still have a community, it just looks a little different, but I still have community back there with those beautiful people. Ryan Harper was one of them, who grew up, was one of Luke's best buddies, and his family, and our family, and about five other families. Ryan got- made us better parents, because we would say, Luke, you don't want to turn out like Ryan. No. <laughs> Ryan, we're so we're so we're so proud of the man that Ryan has become, and and I can tell you, I know Ryan's mom and dad real well, and they did a wonderful job parenting both Ryan and his and his brother Scott. So but, we get a call um, one night. Our neighbor says our house is shaking. It's like three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I said, really? I'm what you know? He said, I think someone's like doing dynamite in your backyard. <laughs> well, he wasn't alone. He, he was with Luke. They yeah, were actually, yeah. yeah. Okay, so here's here's because I, I do I want to be res, I want to be res, respectful yeah. of time. Here's here's something that I that I think is really important for you to hear. Um, what is what is your priority as a family, right? So um, one of the things that was really re, real very very important to Terry and I when we were young parents was that we exposed our children to other places other than just living in Carroll County, living the American dream, you know, hang out. This is, this, this, is, this is life, okay? Well, if that's all you know, then this is life. But I can tell you when we took our children to Jamaica and when we took our children to the church, we went, took, took our children to Honduras, you know, multiple times, our children got to see how other people in the world live. And it changed their lives. I mean, you know, our, our two older children are in ministry, uh, you know, thousands and thousands of miles away. And as much as that hurts every day, we're incredibly proud of them. I wouldn't say they got that because we did that, but I would say because they were able to see what the world is all about. And we're to look at the world as, as God looks at the world, right? We're to look at the world past the end of our, our, our driveway the family and what happens in your home is the most important experience that your children will ever get that prepares them for the rest of life. But you can, you can prepare them for a very safe, you know, cocoon of never go more than 30 miles from home and everything's good and blah, blah, whatever. Or you can encourage them to see what it's like. You know, it's just different in terms of how you look at what you have when you see what other people don't have. 
You know, when you go someplace and you see that a child is incredibly grateful for a toothbrush or a pair of shoes, a pair of, a pair of shoes that are worn out because it's still better than walking in your bare feet across, you know, five miles of road to get where you need to go to get water. And, and I don't want to overemphasize that, but I think it's important. Show and expose your children to something different than just what's in your backyard because I believe that it will have an impact on their life. Um, the other thing, as, as Terry said, is um, I, your, kids, your kids aren't too young now to start serving. You know, whether it's a church ministry, whether it's a community ministry, volunteer with your kids. Take your kids to the to the you know to the to the pantries to the um, uh, what is the place uh, the cold you know the cold weather take them with you take them with figure out how create create one here, here's a here's your homework create one mission for your family as a family this is what we are going to do to serve the Lord make it something fun that your kids like teach them young that their life can include all these other things. It can include sports. It can include friends. It can include all that stuff. But you know what? At the heart of all of this, over all of this, you know, is how I started today with having the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ was about serving. The mind of Christ was never about what can I get? How much activity can I fit into a day? How many trophies can I put on the wall? Because all that stuff is going to burn, right? When we stand before God, none of that is going to impress him. But what he will say to us when he says good and faithful servant will be if we truly were a good and faithful servant. And we have the opportunity to model that and to teach that to our kids. So I think we're going to we're going to close like there. Yeah. So uh, this is, this is uh, obviously intended to encourage you. Um, I, will, I will say right now, any of you guys that are struggling with this, Terry and I'd love to spend time talking with you about it. We're, we're always available to you. I know Pastor Nick and, and Alicia would do. I, there's others in this church that would happily do that. That ninth principle, use your community. That's why we're here. You know, we're not, we're not just here to, you know, to come once a week and fill up our schedule at the same time and learn a couple of cool things and go, and then life just goes on and on and on as it, as it is. We're here, hopefully, to learn and to grow. And we want to teach our kids and give them the best opportunity to understand that there's a God that loved your child so much that not only did he give them to you as a parent, but he gave his son for them to die on a cross so that they could have a relationship with him. There is nothing more valuable that we can teach our children than that, and that he has an amazing plan for their life, and that their, their, their future will be blessed abundantly, not because they're the best quarterback on the team or they're the best ballerina on the floor, but their life will be blessed abundantly when they understand their identity in Christ is that of a son or a daughter of the Most High God. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we, uh, we just thank you for this day, God, and we thank you for this, uh, this, this amazing teaching, Lord. You are, you are our, our model of, of what it means to be uh, really a good parent, God, because you gave up everything for us because you loved us so much. And Father, I pray that as we go our separate ways this morning, Lord, that we would be encouraged, 
that no matter what season of life we find ourselves in, no matter what particular challenge we're having right now with, with our children or, or those that are raising grandchildren, God, that your Holy Spirit and your grace is always there. And that, Father, you are for us. And not only are you for us, you're for our children as well. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.